40 days later, and Goliath is still taunting the armies of God. But a young man named David arrives, having the confidence to face this giant. But his own brother and King Saul have their doubts. What does this teach us about how to overcome our, our own really big problems? I'm Pastor Jason Barnett, and this is the Dirt Pastorman Podcast. I would catch it by the draw, 
Call strike, strike it down and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I get this motion back in my head before I continue to talk. Alright. So in between verse 11 and verse 12, and we ended at verse 11 last week, in between verse 11 and verse 12, 40 days has passed. 40 days. 40 days of the Philistine army and the Israelite army going out to the battlefield, each on their own hill, looking at each other. Goliath, a nine-foot-tall Goliath little person, and his little shield bearer will walk out to the middle, and Goliath, each and every day, two times a day, would say, send somebody out to fight me. And for 40 days, there was not an Israelite brave enough to take up that cause. And that included Saul, who was supposed to be the champion of Israel. That's why he was anointed king over God's people. But even he was too afraid to go out and face his journey. Now, the story, the story kind of shifts. It moves to a man named Jesse living in Bethlehem. Has, has anybody ever heard of the town called Bethlehem before? In, in the Bible, have you heard of it? Okay. So that's an important note for later that I don't have time to get into right now, but take it to that detail. <laughs> this man named his, his name was Jesse, and he was an older guy. I, I like how the Bible describes him. Uh, in the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. It makes me think of how I got in trouble this morning when I labeled the table for the sanctuary class for their kids. <laughs> <laughs> Mama's still, still talking about it over there. <laughs> Jesse, he had he was older, and he had eight sons. Eight of them. That's a lot of sons, right? He's got he, 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 he had four more sons, he had a full basketball team all by himself. He has eight of them. But, but he had three, the three oldest sons, Elab, Abinadab, and Shammah, he, he, they, they, they had followed Saul to the battlefield. They were serving in the army. Now, keep in mind, it's been 40 days since these boys have left home or left their father and gone off the battle. There's been this stalemate going on. And by this point, Dad's probably a little bit concerned. All right, where are my boys at? What's going on in the battle? It's been 40 days. Are they, are they still alive? Are they doing okay? Should we, should we rally some troops and go send them to enforce or something? So he pulls out his son, David. And David is the youngest of all eight sons. He says, David, I want you to take this care package to the battlefield, give it to the troops, but I also want you to see how your brothers are doing. Just let me know they're okay. He's being, Jesse's being a concerned dad. 
And David's going to do exactly what his dad says. And this is how we're introduced to David. One of the most important characters in the Bible. The, the man is going to go on to become king over God's people. He's already been anointed to take Saul's place as king. That happened in chapter 16. And out of all eight of his brothers, David was picked to be the next king of Israel. But how does he enter this story? And keep, in mind, keep in mind how Goliath entered the picture of, this, of this, this entire story. Goliath comes in, he's big, he's ugly, he's scary, he's loud. But how does David show up? David shows up in the most unremarkable way possible. He shows up simply as running an errand for his dad. That's how we're introduced to, to this, this mighty warrior that's going, to, that, that's going to take over this story. We're, we're introduced to him as a simple, unremarkable errand boy. And as he's going about asking, 
face Goliath, that's when his brother comes up and talks to him. You see, Eli was the oldest. In chapter 16, when God anoints the next king of Israel, he goes and he, uh, he uses the prophet Samuel. The prophet Samuel goes to Jesse's house and Jesse parades every one of his sons past Samuel. From the oldest to the point where he runs out of the older ones and, and Samuel has to look at him and say, well, hey, is there any, do you have any kids left? We've been through all of them and God says that none of them are going to, to take that spot. None of them are the ones I have picked for the next king. Do you have any other sons left? And Jesse's like, well, I got this one kid named David. He's out taking care of the sheep. Think about it. David was so young and not important. Even in his own family, his dad didn't even think to invite him to this dinner party. He's like, well, you're the youngest. You're not that one. You just stay here taking care of the sheep. No, nope. you won't worry about you. Just, somebody has to walk the sheep off the sheep. And guess what? You, do, you, you, you are the shortest straw. Stay there. And David was anointed. He knows David was picked and he was not. And so there, there's this little bit of bitterness, I'm sure, this little bit of jealousy and envy working in the heart and the mind of Eli. Or Eli. On top of that, he's just big brother. And this is basically, what happened to all the big oldest brothers in here? Your younger siblings? This face, when somebody comes out and wants to pick on our younger siblings, it's time to go, right? We don't have time to discuss it. It's just put the battle rattle on somebody and get their face punched. Right? And when our younger siblings are getting ready to do something dumb, we look at them and say, hey, dummy, don't do that. I'm, I'm sugarcoating <laughs> We try and talk them out of it. We tell them how crazy they're being. So, so Eli, uh, Eli, he has this, this false perception that's been created about David based on his own jealousy and based on his overprotectiveness as a big brother. And so he's looking at David and says, David, the only reason you showed up today, the only reason you're asking this question is because you have a lust for blood. You're here just to see the battle and watch people die. You're just asking this question because you want to know what, what the cost is. He's, he's, he's formed this false perception, this false understanding of who David is and what David is there wanting to do. And he's calling David out about it. And how does David respond? He responds in the most little brother type way you can imagine. He looks at his big brother and he says, Who asked you? <laughs> I didn't ask you for your opinion. And he goes right on trying to get more information. And then having your big brother telling you that you can't do it and questioning your motives isn't enough, he, the word preaches King Saul. And he summons David to him. And when David arrives, he walks up to Saul and he says, Don't worry, I'm here. Don't worry, I showed up, I got this king, Saul. Don't worry, I'm, I'm going to handle this nine foot tall guy and his little shield bear, too. I got it. David is the song. He is oozing with confidence. He's just, he just come from his oldest brother telling him, telling him, You can't do this. And questioning his reasons for doing it. But David is not discouraged. He still has the confidence to walk into Saul and say, Saul, don't be afraid. I've got this. And how 
that? You're just a boy. David, what are you talking? You're just a little boy. You're not experienced enough. This guy, he's this guy Goliath, he's nine foot tall. He's been trained as a warrior since the day of his birth. This, this, this was his lifestyle. This is, he's been molding crap to be a machine of destruction his entire life. And you're telling me you got this? You can't do this. You're too small. You're too insignificant. He's too big. And there's too much at stake.
That's an important detail for us. And you can continue to study in first and second Samuel. And you see, if you're going to read as, as the power of Saul as his kingdom begins to shift over to David. But that power shift, it doesn't start later. That power shift actually starts right here in chapter 17 as he faces Goliath. And, and without really realizing, without fully comprehending of what's taking place, Saul blesses David and saying, David, this is your, you are Israel's champion now. David's confidence even convinces Saul to give him a blessing to go fight for him. Saul is unwilling to face giant Goliath himself, but he's willing to yield his role as Israel's champion to David. See, facing a really big problem, fear crippled Saul and Eliab, didn't it? To the point where they saw there is absolutely no chance of victory. There, there is no way anybody can win. And not only did they have fear that crippled them, they had absolutely no confidence. No confidence whatsoever. They forgot everything they knew. All that they knew was they were not big enough and they couldn't do it. And this basically, even if, even if they had somehow had gotten able to move, and they had gone up and faced the life, they didn't have the confidence to do it. If they had faced the life, that mindset of saying, we can't do this, there's no way we can win this fight, they would have become pro-food. Because basically, you face big problems, it's going, to take, it's going to take some confidence, it's going to take some boldness. If you don't have those things, you ain't going to win. You ain't going to pull through. David had confidence. Matter of fact, this is, a, this is a little story. When I was training, finishing my training to become a combat medic, the last thing I had to do was a skills validation out in the field. And as it, it came my turn to go in and, 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 and take this take this test, and, and I had to perform all these these, these hands-on things to show that I knew what I was doing. As I got up, the sergeant looks at me and goes, Barnett, your turn, good luck. You know what I said? I looked at that sergeant and I said, Sergeant, luck is when skill meets opportunity. There might have been, depending on how you look at that story, I may have come up with switch arrogant, or I was the fact that I was that confident knowing that I have done this over and over again. I have practiced again and again. I have done it to the best of my ability each and every time, not preparing myself for this moment so I know that I can do this. Confidence. And David had that confidence. Because he had been there before. He had, he had fought other beasts before. And he had come out on top each and every time. And this Goliath is going to be no different. Now when I talk about David, when I talk about David having confidence, this isn't just like a, uh, a confidence based in himself. <laughs> This is not confidence based on his, his own abilities. David had a holy confidence. A holy confidence that was based on what God had done for him in the past. Yes, David had fought and overcome those bears 
But it was God's blessing upon him. It was God's hand upon him that gave him the confidence to be able to do so. It was God who gave him the ability to fight and overcome those things. And as David sat there and listened to Goliath speak, he, he's the first one in this story to stop and think about it in the, in the terms of faith. He's the first one to stop and think about it from a theological perspective. He realizes that David is not taunting Saul. It goes beyond him taunting the army. Saul is taunting the God of all. The God who was in charge of all of this. He was defying him. As David saw that. And he said, you know what? If this guy's going to defy, defy God, someone's got to stand up to him. And I'm going to be the one that does it. Because if, if, nobody else, if nobody stands up to him, he's going to think that he's more powerful than God. And, he, and David knew his God would not allow that. He knew God would not allow his name to be, to be mocked and ridiculed. So David not only had a, had a holy confidence that God would come through for him, but he had a holy confidence that God would meet the challenge and overcome this life. And David was so confident that it didn't matter what Eliab said, it didn't matter what Saul said, it didn't matter what anybody else said, that he knew because of the confidence he had in God and what God had created him to do and who God created him to be, that he was going to come out on top. And that confidence was so great. That confidence that David had in God was so pure and so passionate that it convinced Saul to give him the blessing and allow him to do it. What was the difference between these two? What was the difference between David and Saul? Why was David able to have confidence and Saul not able to have confidence? They both had been anointed by God, picked as God to be king. Both God had said, you can, be, you can be the champion of my people. Why was David able to have this confidence and, and saw on? Because David had the spirit of God with him. You go back and you read early, uh, some of the earlier chapters leading up to this event for Samuel. Saul was picked by God, but he very quickly abandons God once he gets to that top post. The point where it says God's spirit left him. It's not because God didn't love Saul anymore, but because God is holy, his spirit couldn't take part in the lifestyle that Saul was pursuing. It couldn't, it couldn't do things the way Saul was doing them. Saul wanted to be his own man. He wanted to prove that he was the champion, the rightful king, but he wanted to do it on his turn, not on God's. And when he ventured out like that, God says God's spirit left him. And not only did God's spirit leave him, but it says evil spirits began to come and torment him. And that's why David had to come and play the harp for him. But that same spirit that had left Saul, it was now resting upon David. Because David had the Spirit of God resting upon him. Because he had the Holy God with him, and that filled him with confidence. That if you and I want to overcome really big problems in our lives, we have to be more than just not crippled by fear. We have to have a holy confidence about us. 
And the only way you can have that holy confidence is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the Spirit of God. It's a spirit that is a spirit of boldness in and of itself. It's a spirit that, 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 that is resting in God and His presence and who He is and His ability. God is the Alpha and the Omega. There's not, not anyone who can stand up against Him. And that spirit of God can live with inside you, can dwell in your heart, you can rest upon you. That's unshakable, unmovable. And it gives you a boldness, it gives you a confidence to look at problems and say, sorry, this luck is going to be this opportunity. To say, Goliath, that Goliath, I can take him down. It's a, it's a spirit of, of confidence that's not restrained by the naysayers. It's not, it's not crippled by fear. Because he can't be. That's the spirit you and I gotta have living in this day. That's the spirit you and I gotta have living inside us and dwelling in us if we want to overcome really big problems. Because we need to have that confidence. How do I overcome really big problems? Do not lose confidence. There are gonna be people that run their mouths. That's a matter of fact. But you, you, if you are walking in the Spirit, you're walking close with God, then you will learn to realize it doesn't matter what they say. Because you have the confidence of knowing that you are going before God, walking in the fullness of His presence, and there isn't anybody who can stop Him. And there isn't anybody who can stop you because you are walking in His will. It doesn't mean their comments don't hurt. It doesn't mean those comments will distract you from time to time. But it will not shake your confidence. It will not shake what God is calling you to do in the direction that God is calling you to go. And you have to have confidence in that. And the only way you can have that confidence is the Spirit of God dwelling in you. The only way to have confidence is to stand up to your giants, to get past the naysayers, to move past despite fear, is through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit.
And I don't know if you know this, but one of our core values here at this church is, is, is readiness over passivity. And as a church, we believe God's not called you to come here and sit on the sidelines. And that means, that means you and I, we have to be bold because God's going to call us out of our comfort zone into things that make us uncomfortable. But one of the lines of the song, it says, it says, your grace abounds in deepest waters. Meaning, the deeper you get into that ocean and the scarier it comes around comes around you. you know, the more uncertainty that, that surrounds you, as long as you're trusting and walking with God, His grace will abound around you. His grace will abound within your heart and within your mind. It will keep you going. It will sustain you. It really is the amazing grace of God. But you have to be bold enough to keep going, to have the confidence, and to, to allow that confidence to, to, to sustain your hope and to keep, keep you pressing forward. So as we stand and sing this song, think about that. Think about that. And if you don't have God's Spirit dwelling within your heart, as this song plays, if the Spirit moves you, then come and seek Him today. Time for this week's 30-second takeaway. Having the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and, and having that confidence doesn't mean solving your problem is going to be easy. You're still going to have to deal with the same voices like David did. The same voices that question your motives, that insult your character, the same voices that talk down to you. But what the Spirit does is it gives you the strength and the courage and the endurance to keep pressing through those voices and look for the solution to the problem. That's all for this week. See you guys next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dirt Path Sermon Podcast. It was recorded live at Greensburg Church of the Nazarene, located at 31 Bluebird Lane in Greensburg, Kentucky. Special thank you to Buzzsprout for hosting this episode. Please be sure to subscribe and share this, this podcast with somebody you know.